I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to hour number two and the final one for another week of the program. It's nice to have you with us for uh, another edition of KSL Outdoors Radio. Still a lot to do in this hour. Navinopsius is going to be happy because we have a snow day segment coming up with uh, Allison Palmentieri from Ski Utah. She's in uh, New York today doing some business, trying to get more people to uh, know about our great skiing here in Utah. And, uh, I don't know. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Navi? That might be more people on your on your run each day. I totally agree with you. You know, I've done nothing but promote skiing, and people who listen go, why are you doing that? <laughs> I, I thought that sword might cut both ways for you today. Right? Yeah. Um, we're envious, by the way, of uh, Navi, who's uh, setting up uh, Weber Canyon right now, not just enjoying the color, but evidently listening to some of the Elks bugle in the background. Which, Brian, I've got a, I got a bugler right close, and you know he's close because I'm deaf. So if I can hear him, he's too far away. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll go road tripping with Mark Wade. That's coming up. We're going to talk Box Elder County there, and uh, let's just jump in here to our conversation with Heather Talley. She's the Upland Game Coordinator for the Division of Wildlife Resources, and it's always great to catch up with you, Heather. Thanks for your time today. Thanks so much for having me. You know I love to be here. Fall colors uh, signal, of course, that uh, your favorite part of the season probably or the year is coming up, and that's upland game season, which kicks off when? It's right around the corner, isn't it? Absolutely. A lot of our big or upland game hunts, excuse me, started September 1st, and then we do have our pheasant and quail hunting season is starting here. So November 5th to December 4th will be the pheasant hunting season, which is always a big deal in Utah. And then the quail season will be November 5th to December 31st, so even longer time there for the I, quail. I guess I fell into that trap that uh, many people do, that Upland Game certainly uh, on, and only talks about pheasant season, which it is for most people, but there's so many other uh, species out there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but definitely pheasants are the big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, Nami? Well, I love Upland Game because hiking this time of year is my favorite thing. And then there's also a little caveat. You might see a bird. Yeah. So, yeah, Upland Game. I mean, uh, grouse is delicious. It's my favorite food, I I swear. And, by the way, um, if I'm not mistaken, quail are on the rise in our state. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think all of our Upland Game populations are already – starting to rebound a little bit from those monsoons we had and good brood production or good brood conditions for the vegetation this past summer. So, yeah, we are seeing a little bit of an uptick this year. That's interesting because it wasn't that long ago we were talking about uh, duck populations in the state with duck season upon us, and uh, there were concerns because of, you know, water, a lack of water in some of the uh, flight zones that were causing some problems along the way. But you think for Upland Game, uh, just the opposite. We'll see some growth. 
Yeah, I believe so. Um, where they're not heavily dependent on those standing water sources like our waterfowl species and um, just need the really good vegetation and moisture in the spring and summer months when there's ex um, to provide better brood and brood production for them, for the poults and chicks for the year. So a lot of those insects live in those riparian areas. And we had a lot of that this year throughout the state where our upland game populations reside. So we should be looking in better shape. Let's look at some of the different... Go ahead, Navi. I was going to say my, my evidence is anecdotal at best, but, you know, riding my bike, I have never seen more quail running across the pass. I've seen more quail in this year than any year past. I love that. That's yeah. amazing. We also have seen an uptick in our rabbits um, on our rabbit route surveys. So usually that's also a good indication of how upland game is trending as well. And they uh, rabbits always go in sort of a boom and then decline phase, don't they? Yep, just like our upland birds, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of the different regions in the state. We're in the north, so let's start down south. Are there pheasants in southern Utah? I've had somebody ask me that question. There are really small wild populations in southern Utah around the Bicknell Bottoms, WMA, and some in Severe Valley, but mostly in southern Utah. Um, you know, of course, it's drier in that area, and crop production is mostly alfalfa fields. So down in the southern part of the state, we rely mostly on those put-and-take birds, the penreared birds that we release every year. Is that, do you get negative feedback on that from people? Those... No, it really depends. Um, some people give us some negative feedback because they want there to be more birds. Some people give negative feedback because it's too overcrowded and, and they want more places for us to put birds. Um, but overall, for the vast majority of the stats that we're seeing, is people are pretty happy with the program. Yeah, yeah. And I have no problems with it at all. But the Penrude thing where you don't have, um, you know, many wild uh, species just seems to make perfect sense. You're giving people more opportunities to hunt. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what this program is designed to do is to provide hunting opportunity, not in any way to augment wild populations. And we do go through rigorous disease testing with the birds as well before they're released so we can make sure to not have any impacts if they are released in places where there are natural wild birds. Whenever we talk upland game, it always ends up being a conversation about habitat. And uh, <laughs> the challenge is always that most of the habitat that uh, – um, pheasants like to hang out on happen to be private property so that always gets a little tricky that's true luckily there are a lot of landowners that do allow hunting on private lands you just need to get that written permission um, and we do have a few that also reside on our wmas so that's great as well but yeah like you're saying that's kind of an issue with the wild populations we do have here in utah and that's why our um our put and take program with the pen reared birds is so popular but walk-in access, that whole thing, I think, has been an overwhelming success, unless things have changed. No, walk-in access is still a thriving program. Um, I don't think there's funding to expand it at this point, but we're keeping all those really high-quality high properties and making sure that, you know, landowners are compensated for allowing people to hunt on their lands. And then we also have our wildlife management areas that are state-owned properties that we also release the birds on. So we do have some good areas for people to go hunting if they want that opportunity. We're going to be talking about Box Elder County coming up in our next segment with uh, Mark Wade on our road tripping segment. Box Elder County is an area where people can find a pretty good population of birds, I think. You got it. 
What, any suggestions there about areas? I, I see the Bud Phelps uh, Wildlife Management Area mentioned. Yeah, there was an average brood production for pheasants up in the northern Utah. And like you said, the eastern portion of Box Elder County is a lot of private land is out there, but there are quite a few pheasants out there. So if you want to secure some written permission, that would be great. Also, Bud Phelps Wildlife Management Area. Um, and more private land west on the west part of Weber County is also has some pheasants. Yeah, and so I've done it again. I've focused everything on uh, pheasants. <laughs> what, what are the uh, cliff notes for quail hunters out there today, other than the fact that the population should be good? Right. So we have start to see an uptick in the population. Thanks so much for your notes on that as well. And um, yeah, we've got some northeastern Utah. Much of the quail habitat is private land again. And central Utah, same thing. We have that program where we um, remove nuisance quail out of people's gardens, which a lot of people think that's an oxymoron, but some people do get negatively impacted by quail and then we can, the division will go in and trap and sometimes get dedicated hunters to trap them and then release them in areas where they should thrive for for hunting. So that's great as well. Southeastern Utah, we've got um, pretty favorable brood production down there and uh they have populations near farmlands along the colorado and green rivers as well as lower huntington canyon along price river and southern utah is the location where gambles quail actually inhabit down there in washington county and we did see a slight increase in parts of the region for gambles there as well look for them in brushy washes in the western Washington County, and some California quail can be found in the southern region in the Valley of Fillmore and Beaver, but they are in low numbers and mostly found on private property. So further north for California quail would be good. I also want to get one more note out there. The uh, statewide youth pheasant hunt is going to take place October 29th to November 3rd. Uh, they need to get on the division website to make sure they're ready and prepared for that with hunter ed- education and the uh, trial hunting program. Definitely. And Youth Quail Hunt is October 29th to 31st. And there are some organized youth pheasant hunts as well as the pheasant hunting seminar that's going to be taking place right before the youth hunt. So make sure to check that out if you want any tips. All good stuff. And uh, as always, Heather Talley, thanks for the work you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Get out and enjoy not just the hunting, but uh, the view, as Navi said, and take a nice walk among these fall colors. We'll take a break, come back, and do a little road tripping. We head to Box Elder County next with Mark Wade. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, if you listen to this program at all, you know what that music means. It's time to get back out on the road again. Do a little road tripping. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. This week, Bob Grove still on the road on the uh, back end of a two-week uh, trek, I think. We'll find out in a second here with Mark Wade 
who joins us. It's Road Tripping with Bob and Mark.com. He may never come home, Mark. You know, I think he just loves the road so much. That may be true. Well, and the only thing that kept him coming back, I think, was he left Susan at home. But this time she's with him, and he, it sounds like she's a big hit with all that are on the tour. So he, he really has no reason to come back. He always gets better tips when he's uh, with Susan. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, <that> I'm <laughs> sure he does. Uh, sort of uh, she rounds out his rough edges, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> hey, we wanted to talk about Box Elder County. I looked at your list of things to talk about in Box Elder County, and I actually paid my first visit to the uh, Golden Spike Historic Site out there earlier this year with a group of friends, and we were there for reenactment day and actually participated because we decided if we were going to go out, and there was four couples, we decided if we were going to go out, we would do it in period uh, costume, and so they they made us part of the show. We actually helped carry some of the rails into place while they were uh, showing how it all went down. It's, it's quite a place, isn't it? And it's, it's a ways to get out there. Not that far. It's a bit of a drive, but you're out seemingly in the middle of the broad expanse of Utah when you get out there. But, boy, it's impressive to watch those big old trains come roaring down the track as they come together there. Well, and the work that they do behind the scenes to make sure that those two uh, engines are shined and ready and looking like they did way back when is just uh, it, it's a, a labor of love that I don't think a lot of people are actually aware of. You know, when we were out there last week, we had, a, uh, I think there were some fourth, fifth, and sixth graders from one of the local schools, and they were just fully engaged. They loved it. So you're right. The work that goes behind the scenes by that national historic area is incredible so that it can educate all of us on, on what our history is. Yeah, we're lucky that it happened right here where East met West and really changed not just this state, but changed the world when you hear the story and how it all went down and what, you know, the sacrifices that were made to actually make it happen. That's just one of the many places to see. I told you, uh, you know, the other thing that people blast right past on I-15 north or southbound is Willard Bay State Park. That's one of the jewels of the area, too. It really is. You know, you've got fresh water there, right? You know, it's, it's essentially part of the Great Salt Lake, but it's the freshwater part. And so boating and all kinds of activities out there. And you indicated you've even done a little camping along the shoreline there. Yeah, I used to be a boat owner. You know, I've, I've experienced that great day of buying one and the great day of selling one. And back then, uh, rather than pay the gas to haul it back and forth on several occasions, we just paid 30 bucks, I think it was at the time, for a, a camp spot overnight so we could just uh, wake up the next morning and get back out on the water. Crystal Hot Springs is another one that I've heard people talk about but I've never experienced. Well, it's fun. We, um, you know, the reason my wife and I went out to uh, Box Elder County last week was she heard an ad on the radio. And Joan Hammer and her crew up there at the tourism office in Box Elder County must be doing a good job because my wife heard an ad three months ago, and, and, and it took us three months, but we scheduled it and we got out there. What we did is we got an Airbnb right near Crystal Hot Springs in Honeyville. And this little Airbnb was this little yellow barn in the middle of a field, some farmer's field. And it was brand new and beautiful. And it was about two miles from Crystal Hot Springs. So after doing all these fun things in Box Elder County, at the end of the day, we ran out to Crystal Hot Springs and sat in those, just those warm pools. And they say they have more minerals in those pools than just about anywhere in the world. And so it seems like it was healthy. We sure enjoyed it. And they've got some water slides there and people from all around the country stopping by there. You told me something I, I uh, 
guess I didn't know that Box Elder County is actually the third largest in the state. It is. It is. You got Millard County, I think, is number two, and then San Juan County down in the bottom corner of the state is, is number one. And so two counties on either opposite ends of the state are two of the largest. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just got a lot of expense. But if you stay along the I-15 corridor and you look either side of the corridor, you've got Box Elder Peak at over 11,000 feet, a great hiking area. Brigham City, of course, is there. And, and of course, you can't say Brigham City without mentioning Maddox Steakhouse, right? Oh, and, my gosh. I, I had not been to Maddox in forever, but since we made that run out to uh, – Golden Spike, we had friends in from California, and we were showing them around Utah, and we just knew that was a tradition that we had to share after we went out, you know, to be a part of the festivities that day. So we stopped in, and known for their fried chicken, known for those rolls, which uh, you need to be careful or you're not going to have any room for the fried chicken <laughs> by the time it arrives on yeah. your table. But the other one I had forgotten about that it's a real tradition for people, I think they have a shrimp cake uh, that people have fallen in love with up there. And, of course, their fresh-made pies are always a, a highlight. And when you say fresh-made pies, we're talking about freshly sliced peaches in a lot of cases, of course, in season. But you can get a pie on a crust with fresh-sliced pieces, that beautiful uh, glaze over it, and then whipped cream on top. And, holy cow, that's just, like you say, once you're done eating there, you don't have room for anything else. I'll tell you, part of the fun, too, is just uh, spending a little time while they're wa- you know, wait- you're waiting to be seated and take in some of the history that they have pictures of in the lobby there. They've got a lot of history. It, it goes back a lot of years, and, and you know that was fun for us, too. We went into, into Brigham City and found a restaurant right downtown, right on the old Main Street. And i I got to tell you, I think Brigham City's tree-lined Main Street might be one of the prettiest towns in all of Utah. Just to, and, and, But right on Main Street, there's a place called Idle Isle Cafe. Idle Isle Cafe, 1921, this thing was started. Wow. And so that's one of the little those old-time places where you walk in and they've got the, the bar seats sitting up against the, the counter and you order from the counter and, and uh, you know, just really good food. And I'm going to say Maddox is about as good as it gets. Idle Isle was a great environment and the food was great there, too. That's a great tip. Uh, we don't have time to mention too much more, but uh, people should know the Bear River migratory bird refuges out there with all those great bird species. How lucky we are to have that in our backyard. And a large portion of the Great Salt Lake, including the Spiral Jetty, also a part of uh, Box Elder County. I'm going to guess you documented some of this on your website. We will have it on there and lots of pictures and video. All right. It is Road Trippin' with Bob and Mark.com. Mark Wade, thank you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Stay with us. Coming up, uh, we've got a fish. No, not a fish bites. It's a uh, snow day segment. I said fish bites because Navi's so darn excited about just being able to play the uh, snow day music. We'll do that right after a news update next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. 
the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.